0: Amen. You can be seated. And good morning, everybody. And if you weren't here last week, you're probably looking up here and going, okay, why is In-N-Out Burger's logo on the front of our sanctuary this morning? And if it's your first time, you're probably wondering, you know, did I wander into some kind of weird burger cult? (laughs) Maybe you did. I don't know. I know that we love burgers here, don't we? Nobody? Nobody? What's the best burger in Nashville? Hmm, wait, what? What a burger. It's new. Yeah, What a burger is here. Well, I mean, church is kind of like a burger, isn't it? I mean, it's cheesy and you know, it smells like onions, and about an hour later, you regretted that you actually participated in that. That was bad, right? <clears throat> Actually, what this is about is we're in a vision series where we're talking about where are we going this year? And this is just a goofy, fun way to kind of get our head around uh, in and out Double Double, which Double Double is the Double Double Burger at In-N-Out. And we're talking about doubling the impact, doubling our love, and what does that mean? Well, last week we started this series by talking about what does it mean that we're doubling our love? And what we talked about was that if you can imagine this is your community, maybe it's Green Hills, maybe this is all of Nashville or Forest Hills or wherever your community is, it's our passion here at Midtown this year to create a church, to build a church that is a safe place for people to come into this community. So they're coming from the greater community into a smaller community. But it's also our passion as people come in that, They come deeper and deeper into community, and as they come deeper and deeper in community, what they learn about is how to be with Jesus. Like, not how to do great things for Jesus, but to be with Jesus. Like, you know, we talked last week about how the disciples spent three years with Jesus before Jesus ever sent them to go do anything. So we talk about investing and maturing one another through men's ministries and women's ministries and through the different things that we do here with young professionals and and small groups, that when we get into small groups, we're, we're finding that there's a deeper and more intense commitment to maturing us, not just maturing us spiritually, but also emotionally and relationally and also socially, which we'll talk about next week, but just maturing, investing so that you guys become better humans, like, imagine that, that you go into the life, this life that God's called you to live, and you're living deeply in his love for you, more deeply than you ever have. But you're also growing and living in a deep appreciation for who you are. Imagine that. But then you're also growing in your capacity to love other people. But you're also growing in your capacity to let other people love you. That's maturity. And then you're going into this city knowing you belong here, and you're loving this city. So as we go deeper and deeper into maturity, then we become actual leaders. And we are, our vision is to help develop you to become the best you can be in that. And become a leader so that as God then calls you out, first he called you in. In and out. Get it? So double the love, double the impact. So let's talk about double the impact. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to really feel a little bit out of place. We have them in the window seals, which they're conveniently located to make it awkward for you if you have to go move to get one. <clears throat> I know, it's, uh, we just did not plan ahead. All right, sorry. Uh, but we're going to be jumping around scripture a lot this morning. I'll explain that in just a minute. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 24, uh, it says, He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. In other words, what he's saying is God is up to something. God is doing something. And he's doing something in here. And prepare yourself. He's doing something in here right now. He's doing something in this morning. What is he doing? We'll go up to verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That God is actively working to sanctify you. And what is sanctification? It's taking this thing that Christ did in your life and then maturing it to where you're growing deeper in the work that he's done in your life. And he says, may may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is sanctifying my body, which we love that, don't we? I mean, come on, we're in Green Hills. Like if you're fit, like you fit, like fit fit, like here in Nashville. We love body health and maturity but it also talks about our soul, and the soul, you know, my emotions, my Enneagram, my story, what makes me, me. We love that, we love to develop that. But he's also developing our spirit, and here's the crazy thing about the soul, spirit, and the body, they're all connected. They're actually woven together, and what God is doing is he's maturing them all. He's doing that, he's doing that here this morning, and if God is actively doing that right now, Are we partnering with him, or are we working against them? Last week we talked about double the impact, or double the love that God has done something profound in our lives. Now we're talking about double the impact. What does that mean? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 28. I'm starting in verse 16. What's happened here is the end of the book of Matthew. Jesus has lived his life, went to the cross, died, rose again from the dead, and now he is meeting with his disciples for the last time. This is <clears throat> his last moment with them before he ascends into heaven. And these are his last words. So then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. 11. Now, you know why there's 11? Because Judas had hung himself. Like, things did not go well for him. And so there's only 11 left. They hadn't appointed Matthias yet. They went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. We're like, got it, no problem. This is the 11 that followed Jesus everywhere he went for three years. They saw him walk on the water. They saw him clear the temples. They saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw him die and then rise to newness of life. Get it, they worshiped him. Next words, but some doubted. You should underline that. It should give you courage, because if you follow Jesus, you will doubt. It's going to happen, and you shouldn't be afraid of it. In fact, it's an invitation to something beautiful, but we don't have time this morning to talk about that. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So I'm gonna give you the whole sermon in a nutshell, then we're gonna talk about it, you ready? If you are a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ. Scripture calls you that, you're a Christ disciple. And if you are a Christ disciple, Christ has called you to be a disciple maker. That's it. Every Christian is a disciple. Every disciple is a disciple maker. (laughs) You like how that sounds? Every Christian is a disciple. Every disciple a disciple maker. You might think, um, man, that's such a clever, like Midtown's really got it. They've got it coined in and man, that should be a bumper sticker. Well, I was in Walmart parking lot the other day, and I walked past a car, and right there on the back of that car was a bumper sticker that said, every Christian a disciple, every disciple a disciple maker. It's already a bumper sticker. You know why? Because this is nothing new. This isn't Midtown's vision. This isn't our plan to double the size of Midtown. Could you imagine that, that we doubled the size of Midtown? Good Lord, y'all are problem enough, you know? (laughs) No, but listen, you know, this isn't our marketing strategy. This isn't some way to grow this church or to, to join the world in saying more, more, more. This is actually us grasping the love of the father that he has in my life and me actually living out of the reality of who I am. When Christ came, he says, the old is gone, the new has come that I was dead, now I'm alive, that I'm a new creation in Christ. And what scripture is saying is when I begin to understand that, and I begin to embrace that, and I begin to mature in that, and I begin to grow in what I already am, it's always gonna find its way out of me, always. In fact, scripture says, Christian, do you know the power that is yours in Christ? Do you know that? In Ephesians it says, Paul says, I pray to God that you would understand the power that you have. I also pray that you would understand the riches that you have. And I also pray that you would understand the hope that you have. Why? Because when we begin to realize our pockets are already full with everything our hearts desire, then we start to take them out and look at them and realize I've got what I need. And we start to live out of that. You can't help it. Anybody that knows Christ is not a reservoir. We're not not just collecting blessings upon blessings and just becoming fat on the burger of Jesus. I like the way that sounds. Fat on the burger of Jesus. Now, I won't write that down, but... Why? Because we're rivers. That the Lord always is saying to us, I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. In other words, and scripture even says this, that it does violence to your soul when you're not pouring out of you what God is pouring into you. It even says that we're a light of the world. And if you go and read the scripture that talks about that, it says the only thing that you can do with that light, you can't stop it from shining, you can't stop it from illuminating, but you can cover it up. It's the only thing you can do with it. It's so powerful. If you go back to the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah put it this way. But if I say, and listen to what he's saying. He's, he's looking to the people of Israel and he goes, but if I was to say I will not mention his word or speak any more of his name. Jeremiah's saying, if I decide I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm never gonna mention his name again, and I'm never gonna talk about the goodness of the Lord again. If I make that decision that I'm gonna dam up the river of God, and it's not gonna flow out of me anymore, I'm gonna be a reservoir, I'm gonna keep all this stuff to myself. He says, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire that's shut up in my bones, and I'll become weary from holding it in. And he finally says to Israel, I can't do it. Even when I try to dam up the blessings of God to keep it from coming to you, I can't do it. It's like a fire inside of me, and it consumes me. That's how powerful this thing is. In fact, the more you give it away, the more you have. I know this is crazy. It's like the more you try to give it out, the more you realize it's flooding in. In fact, giving it out makes it come back on you twice as much. You believe me? Are y'all with me? Am I just excited about this? In Philemon chapter one, Paul says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Why? He says, because I've heard of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. He said, I've heard about your love for all the saints. Well, what does their love for all the saints look like? You share your faith with each other. And when you share your faith with each other, you become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing is in us for the sake of Christ. What he's saying is, when you give it away, you understand it more deeply than when you kept it. It's a spiritual truth. That when I'm given something and then I give it away, I actually understand what I'm giving it away and it comes back on me more deeply. But that's not just a spiritual truth, soul, body, spirit. It's a human truth. Have you ever met somebody that's got a new baby? Like, what do they do? You know, they take out their phone. They don't care where they are. They just take out their phone. Oh, you've got to see the most precious, beautiful child ever born to the human race. Like, and they're just telling you, they're just, they can't stop. It's like a fire in their bones. They are consumed with the story of this new child. Or have you ever seen a picture of one of your friends on vacation? Never. Have you ever seen a picture of somebody's feet in the ocean? You've seen it, you've seen it. We can't help but do it. When we're experiencing something amazing, we want to share it. And then when somebody says to us, hey, can I see that picture of when y'all went down to the beach? Yes. When we give it out, it actually enriches the experience for us. Right? When I share it, it makes it more powerful for me, even though I'm the one that experienced it. Like, I promise, if any of you were at the Super Bowl today, we would all know it. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut. Like, why? Because we are made that way. We are storytellers. So, let's talk about the story. All right, you ready? Because I'm about to share with you the most dangerous word in the Bible. And it's not going to seem dangerous. But we're going to unpack it. And that word is go. It's a dangerous word. And it doesn't seem dangerous, like when Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go, go and make disciples. It doesn't seem dangerous, because we love going, like you love going. Like Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, God came to them and said, take dominion over the whole earth. Go, build a garden, go, build, go, create, go, name. And they loved it. We're going, we're going. And we love going, too. We love going into the world and accomplishing things. In fact, we know it from a very young age. I remember the first time we took our kids to an amusement park. And if you've never had this experience, just recommend, don't do it. And we're going from the car to the front gate. you know. And all we're talking about with them is when we get inside the gate, you need to stay with us. We said that over again and again and again when we get through the gate, you will stay with us. Hold my hand. And you know what happened when we got through the gate? They were gone. (laughs) It was like we didn't see them again until the end of the day or until they got hungry or had to go to the bathroom. Like they're just gone. You know, you can go to amusement parks and you see parents just wandering around the park calling their kids' names, you know, just like zombies. Because we know we're ready. Like, go work in Kid Town. I swear, you, When next time you're in kid town, hopefully it's next week, all right? Just get everybody around you and say to the kids, do y'all want to race? And every one of them will perk up. Like, they're ready. And just do this, go, ready, set, go. And they won't know what to do because you didn't say where they were racing to. And so they'll just start running around the room. They just, they, got, they cannot not race. And see... That's what happens in the church a lot of times, is that we don't know where we're running to. We don't know where we're going to. And we're like, ready, set, go. And the church is doing everything. But where are we going? What is it about this go that's so dangerous? So, we're talking about Vision Midtown, and we're talking about this place, and if you're new here, uh, this book right here, this, this book, Uh, you're going to hear from it every week. Every week. Because we believe that this is the living word of God. We believe it is the word that God has given us so that we can understand him. This is what he chose to reveal about himself to us. And this is what he's revealing to us about us and everything we need to know for life and salvation. It is the center of everything we do. In fact, I hope that when my time here is done, you won't be saying, this is what Randy thought. You'll be saying, this is what the scriptures say. That your debate will always be with this book. And if it's with me, hopefully it's because you're examining this book and coming to me and saying, I think you're off there, which I welcome all of that. But let me share with you before we go to what go means. In 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, it talks about this book, Holy Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. And it says, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, you got to know, that's, that's profound what it's saying there. It's saying that even though God used men, God breathed his word through the inspiration of his Holy Spirit to write this book. And some of you are going, you got to be kidding me. Y'all believe that? Yes, we do. And I welcome you on the journey of your own doubts and struggles and questions. You should have a thousand questions about that. But it says, all of scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work <sighs> there's some words in here that are troubling like i don't mind teaching like i like that i like to learn you like to learn i like to learn so it's god breathed for teaching rebuking now we're getting a little personal because If God is saying, I've given you a word that is going to rebuke you, what it means is, is you're going this way and it's the wrong way. Oh, wait. And God is saying, you got to go this way. Rebuking is saying, you're going in the wrong direction. And here's what I'm going to promise you, that if you're going to spend time here at Midtown and you're going to study this book with us, there are going to be a lot of things in your life where the Lord's going to look at you and go, yeah, you thought you were going in the right direction? You're going in the wrong direction. And God isn't rebuking us because he's mean or he's sitting up in heaven and going, man, me and the angels would be so much happier if you would just get your sex life in order. You think he's, (laughs) anyway, uh, I'm not going to say that. All right, God, thank you for rebuking me right there. God isn't rebuking you so that He can be happier. God is rebuking us because He's making us in line with the life of what He made us for. Like, you don't go out on the street if you see a bunch of kids playing in the street and a car's coming and rebuke them to get out of the street and say, That's not loving. That's loving. But we can't stop at rebuke. It also says, Correcting us. Who needs correction? (laughs) People that are wrong. Here's the crazy thing is that when I come to this, then I come to this and scripture is not just teaching me about God. It's also teaching me where I'm thinking incorrectly. And God is saying, your mind is not my mind. And so we come and submit our mind to his mind and say, teach me how to think, Lord. Teach me how to love Lord. Teach me how to think about myself. Teach me how to think about shame. Teach me how to think about money. Teach me how to think about this thing called a job. Teach me how to think about parenting. Teach me how to think about how to deal with my parents. Like God says, I'm going to come and teach you. But when I teach you, you're going to discover that there are things in your life that you're going to have to let go of. You got to put them down because that's a wrong way to think about that and pick up the right way to think about that. That is not easy. But what is he doing? He's training us so that we're fully equipped for what? To go. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, says that the word of God is alive. And it's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This is why when I come this morning to preach, I know that what's happening in this room is not dependent upon me. This is dependent upon the Holy Spirit who's doing something in your life are you listening? In John chapter 5, Jesus, if you want to go read it, you can go read it. John even says to the teachers of the law, he says, "Hey, this book everything in it's about me." So if this is all about Jesus, then the question is, does Jesus say that we're going? Well, Jesus says, "Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Jesus is with me always to the end of the age. That's very sweet. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I'm never alone. He goes before me, he comes behind me, he hems me in. He protects me, he cares for me. You know, he's working all things together for my good. But here's the question I have. Is Jesus with me as I'm going? Or is Jesus with me as he's going? Do you understand the difference? Is Jesus the hitchhiker that I pull over on the religious road and say, jump in, Jesus, and bring that pocket full of promises with you. I like them. (laughs) And Jesus jumps in and goes, Randy, where are we going? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe Disney. I'm ready to go. Or is Jesus the one who pulls over and says, you get in the passenger side? Because if Jesus is driving the train of my life, then when he says, we're ready to go, it means I'm going where he's going. You see why this is dangerous? Because now, if I'm a Christ follower, if I'm a disciple of Christ, my life is no longer about what I desire, it's about what he desires for me. It's not about where I want to go, it's about where do you go, Father, that I can be with you. You ever seen those kids in Kroger? Those carts that have little cars on them. You ever seen those? And the kids are in the little carts with the steering wheel. And they're, you know, they're steering their way through Kroger, you know. That's kind of us like Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, you keep thinking you're controlling your life. You think you know where this cart's going. Where's he going? Well, let me try to explain it to you. Jesus was born of a virgin birth to do one thing, to seek and to save the lost, to seek and to save you. Jesus came to preach the good news and to set the captives free, to set you free. Jesus lived a perfect life to come and find you. Jesus went to the cross and he took all my sins upon him to give me his righteousness to make me a disciple. That's what he did at the cross. Then he rose again from the dead so that I can rise to newness of life. Everything Jesus did and everything Jesus is doing now is to make disciples, is to draw all men unto himself. That's where Jesus is going. So... (laughs) And he's inviting us. Come on, let's go. So uh, I'd first become a Christian and I didn't know any Christians. And the Lord brought a couple of college students to my hometown. You've heard me talk about Levon, but the guy who spent most time discipling was a a guy named Noel, or as he would say it, Noel, you know, just so we'd know that's uh, great. Noel, that's how we say it. All right. Noel. But there couldn't be two more different people on the planet than me and Noel. And this is who Jesus was sending to disciple me. Let me give you an example. Noel just had graduated from college with a degree in civil engineering. I just graduated from high school and my entire town was just surprised that I wasn't in jail, all right? Seriously. Like, Noel was buttoned down. Like, he got his hair cut every two weeks. Like, And he would go to the store, and he would buy clothes. And I'm not saying this critical. I'm not making fun of Noel. This is just who he is. He would go buy clothes, and then he would take them to his tailor. And he would have them tailor it to fit the way he wanted them to fit. Like you'd walk into Noel's closet and his closet would be impeccable. Everything's hung perfectly. You walked into my closet and it would be a cardboard box and everything was in there. I drove a motorcycle that needed to be repaired about every two days. He had a brand new car. He worked at an architectural firm. I worked at a gas station, all right, in the inner city. And here's the crazy thing. Well, let me tell you one of the things about Noel. Noah liked to play this game. Have you ever heard of this game called Risk? It's a war game. It's a board game. And it lasts for like three days. <laughs> it does. It lasts for like three days. And Noah's like, Randy, you got to come play this game. You'll love this game. After about an hour, I went to Noah and said, "No, I hate this game. Like, when is this going to be over? Let's go. And he goes, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're all coming back tomorrow. And then we're coming back Sunday afternoon. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. We were so different. But if I told you one thing that's most true about Noel is this. He followed Christ. He followed Christ. And Christ said, okay, Noel, you're coming with me. And Noel said, where are we going? You see that guy that's in need of a haircut? We're going to him. That's where I'm going. And you're going with me. And what am I going to do there? You're going to love him and you're going to listen to him, and you're going to open this up every week, and you're going to talk to him about it, and you're going to guide him in my ways. You are going to help me make a disciple out of this kid. That's what God does. So what's a disciple? Well, it's pretty simple. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, you can write this down. There's a lot of definitions for a disciple. This is the one we use here because it's simple and easy. Jesus was calling some of his disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's a disciple. Somebody who's called by Jesus. Somebody who's changed by Jesus. I will make you. And someone who's on mission with Jesus. Simple. A disciple is simply someone that Jesus came and found and said, come on. And then in the coming, he says, I'm going to change you. You were dead, but now you're alive. And then I'm going to ask you to be on mission with me. So what do we do? Double the impact. Is it so crazy to think that God wants to use you to be a flow of God's blessing through you to someone else? In Isaiah chapter six, it's this, incredible story of the prophet Isaiah. He is brought up to to the heavens and he's in the throne room of God. And there are these holy creatures flying around. You should go read it. It's unbelievable. These creatures are flying around and they're shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they're saying it over and over again. And Isaiah is saying, man, the foundations, every time they spoke, the ground shook and it was this holy moment and Isaiah fell down and said, woe is me, for I'm lost for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And I got to tell you, I relate to that. God, I see you. And there's nothing that I can do. I, I am so unworthy to be used by you. I I know what I've done, I know where I've been, and I know who I've been with, and there is nothing that's a part of me that will ever be used by the high king of heaven. I get it, I'm I'm unqualified. You might be able to use that guy, but you're not using me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then one of of these creatures came with a coal from the fires of God and touched his lips. It was a symbol of removing his guilt and his sin. It's what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross. When he went to the cross, he said, I'm taking all your sin on me, and I'm going to give you all my righteousness. That may you are now you are made holy. You belong in the holy of holies, because you've been transformed unholy to holiness. And listen what that transformation does. Isaiah said, I, hear the, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That's it. That's it. See, you can't disciple anybody. You can't change anybody's life. Are you kidding me? That's holy work. Only Jesus does that. But here's what's fun, is he loves to do it through us. And he's saying, come on. Let's go and in the going and you pouring it out You're gonna get it back more deeply than you ever thought you could by just keeping it to yourself Why is that double the impact because here's the crazy thing If you'll join me on that journey and we become a community of people going. I don't have much but what I got I'll give I'll just give of myself if we did that trust me the impact will ripple out through this entire city. So I'm daring you. Jesus is going. Let's go with him and watch what he does in our lives and watch what he does through our lives. Let's pray. Father, Father, it's so easy to get caught up and thinking that this world is about so many things other than you. That you simply say, come and follow me. And I pray, Father, now that we would not shrink back from that part of our spirit that is being drawn and spoken to by you. But Holy Spirit, would you now speak loudly to us? Let us not ignore it. Let us have the courage to say, Here am I. Send me. Christ's name.